0: Hello, friends. Welcome to World Build With Us, the podcast where we build fantastical worlds together, step by step, with help from you, our listeners. My name is Rob Hilferty, and I'm here with borderline beguiling Chris Prunty. Hello. In our last episode, we unleashed the gods of hunger and the fates on our world, the first gods to perform the ritual of divine coalescence. Together, we created the god of feasts and famines, a god who believes that predestination exists to be rebelled against through ambition and willpower. Today, the gang gets racist as we talk about why most fantasy races are lazy reskins of human cultures while trying to avoid creative bankruptcy as we introduce our own into our world. So, Chris. Yeah. I figured that for the first... 45 minutes or so of this podcast I can give my spiel as to why I believe most fantasy races suck and are lazy okay get it out yeah okay thank you because I, I really need to get this off my chest just because the our, our actual topic for today is creating new races for our world and each of us have three or, or two, two or three two, 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 two okay two. two. two that we're going to be introducing. So we each have two that we're going to be introducing. But before we get into that, I want to give my spiel about why I really dislike dwarves, elves, gnomes, halflings, uh, pretty much anything in a standard, bog-standard fantasy setting. I much... Go ahead.
1: I I will say one thing. I
0: actually don't like elves. I, I really just think that it's the pretty factor which is why most people like them
1: but i mean every time i've done an elf in my world i'm not sure if you've noticed this
0: they've always been dicks yeah no i've, I've definitely noticed see, the, the elves have been villains in your campaign 100 of the time yeah 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 and see i get around that by just never having elves in the first place i either create my own races or i just have it entirely humanocentric which i actually find to be far more interesting And this leads me into why I think that fantasy races suck for the most part. I believe that for the majority of people out there, they are using elves, dwarves, etc. as stand-ins for what could otherwise be human cultures. There is not enough that separates human cultures from elf cultures to dwarf cultures that I can't just sit there and say, well... What's the difference between an elf and a human besides the elves having pointy ears and living long lives? Now, in like RPG settings, a lot of the times it comes down to mechanics. You know, oh, well, dwarves are stronger and they're immune to poison. Elves are immune to sleep and don't uh, and, and have low light vision and stuff like that. I don't think that's enough. I never think that that's enough to differentiate the culture enough for me to really appreciate the differences. I play Civilization 5 and 6. I have over a thousand hours combined on those games. And I really love studying and reading up on history books. And the breadth of human civilization and culture is so interesting and different and vast for me that when I see a lot of the cultures, it's like, oh, that's you're just doing a Maori person, but with like an orc skin. Or, oh, you're just doing the Scottish Highlands, but they're dwarves now. I find it lazy, I find it insulting, and I find it cowardly that people would do something like that when there's so much cool stuff that we can mine from actual human civilization.
1: Yeah. I mean, but it's kind of a way to be like, how can these theological things like dwarves aren't attached to uh, magic in a lot of settings. Sure. And I feel like you might be right, it could be lazy writing, but you have to think of a reason why can't they use magic. All mm-hmm. right, let's make it innate. This way, all of them can't use it, rather than this one culture. What happens if, you know, a human sleeps with a dwarf? Can they use magic?
0: Right, and and, and I think that in those cases, I think that those writers are at least putting in the modicum of you know, like creativity, like, okay, let's make this interesting. But what I find frustrating is when you're creating a fantasy race, you already have to spend time and page length and audio and breadth to explain to someone why these are different, why these cultures are different. And so why not really go crazy and go far out of the box with something like uh, the Boss Log series? Oh yeah, loved it. Yeah, if if you want to look at something that I consider to be brilliantly creative, it's absolutely the Boss Log series when it comes to different races. Every race feels alien and unique and the cultures feel different and it's it's an you feel the difference from culture to culture, from race to race. It's no longer this is short human, this is tall human, this is oh no, you can't describe the cacti like that. You cannot describe the Kepri like that. They are so far apart that it's like we have to sit down and we're going to explain to you. Maybe just through bits and pieces. And I think China meville is a great writer for doing that. Because you're like, oh, oh. Right. It's, and it draws you in. That And that's what I'm fascinated by. Is some,
1: Can't just have a cactus man without having to explain the fact that he's literally a vegetable man who has...
0: With sap for blood. Yeah
1: and they right. need special bows in order to kill them because a sword will just kind of wound mm. them where you need, like, the rive bow, saw blade. Right, they're to, just like, kind of... Right, it's, and it's super cool.
0: Right, and, and that's what I appreciate when it comes to different fantasy races. The other thing that I actually really appreciate, I think Eberron, the, D, the official D&D setting, does some of this really, really right. I think if you look at the Warforged, I think it's incredibly unique. I think it's super creative. And not only that, I would want to play a Warforged character. The fact that I'm only three or four years old at the maximum, and then I have... There's so many really interesting things baked in. That's what I want in a fantasy race. I don't want to just play another human. I mean, if I'm going to play a human and it's going to be a strange culture, I'm cool with that. If I want to play an Aztec human, that's that's totally fine. Like I can make that work. I can make that built around I mean I can build around that and I know that you can too even though you have I like my fantasy right you you like fantasy race I I have no problem with people using fantasy races but I think that when they go for shorthand it leads to it leads to people letting the shorthand do too much of the work and they lack the creativity to bring it up in other ways so, with all of that said... Just one last thing that I
1: wanted to say. and Because mm-hmm. uh, for inspiration, I listened to a few uh, podcasts and also YouTube channels and everything about dissecting races from other uh, Star Trek to Star Wars to fantasy things. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I noticed that I got upset about is when they were describing something and it was not really anything about... The race. It was all about the culture of that race, and right. I was just like, "You really didn't explain anything about them. You just exp- You're like, oh, they're very angry people. They're warlike, and uh, they'll go out on a pillage and such."
0: Absolutely, and that's. I, I feel like that happens a lot. Uh, I, I'm not typically a Star Trek guy, but when it comes to Klingons or Spa, uh, what what Spock? He's uh, uh, Vulcan. Vulcan. Thank you. Told you I'm not a Star Trek guy. Apology. Confusion. I I was actually gonna say Romulan, but I knew it wasn't right because I knew that it was the original bad guy race before. Well, them and the Klingons, anyway. Well, it
1: wasn't really the Klingons; they were genetically modified a little bit to look more human.
0: Right, they had the weird, like less forehead ridges mm-hmm. or something like that. They were mostly spray tanned. Yeah, spray tan. Klingons. but but when I talk about that as well, it's it's not just elves and dwarves. It's also Romulans and Klingons and Vulcans. Those are to me very similar in that regard. Why couldn't you just, I mean, I, I think with sci-fi, it's a little bit different because different c- carbon life forms, you know, and especially back in the Star Trek days, they had to use that type of, you know, like they didn't have the budget for it.
1: I did see something that said that the, that the reason that so many fantasy and sci-fi races are bipedal, is also because bipedalness is one of the things that at least we always view as a Mm -hmm. step into honing technology. You need opposable thumbs, you need hands and arms and everything. And also, if you're an animal, and mostly animal, uh, kind of like a tiger, four legs, claws and everything, it takes away the need for technology and higher brain function, so you don't develop those kind of things.
0: That's actually an excellent point. And for that, I say, sure. I don't mind bipedal. What I do mind is when you look at something like the mass effect universe, when you have such an amazing breadth of variety, that is something that I also would point to on a sci-fi side and say, see, this is what I would want. There's no such thing. There's one who's kind of like, this is blue human. And it's the one with that. You have the sex scene of whatever it happens. I,
1: I think there's a theory in the wiki or something where they appear to the viewer as a female of their race. To huh. make them want to, well, to the of the opposite sex. So, sure. But then again, you also can be fem chef and still a female human. Yeah, Maybe it's always female human. Maybe it's just what there.
0: you desire. Yeah. Could be, I don't know.
1: So, something about, it's their way of you being. You played those diplomacy. games way more than I did. So. I never
0: played the third one. I think that's for the better from what I understand. Yeah. So, so now that I've gotten my spiel out of the way, now that I've gotten my... Gr- now that my grievances had been posted and known, please introduce the first character so I may shit on it.
1: Okay, so I've done dwarves and super dwarves. Oh,
0: God. No,
1: I knew you were going to do this. No. Um. So, my two races. Uh, one of them, I actually have a name for. Mm-hmm. I am calling them the Quill.
0: Mm-hmm. They... Are they porcupine men?
1: No, they are not I'm porcupine already men.
0: disappointed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that's so good! Right? <laughs> Alright, but the way that they work is they are an intelligent race, but they are not bipedal. Mm. The way that they work is I wanted them to be a sort of, not slug, but a snake-like parasite slash symbiote. Think Wa'uld from them, but not quite as menacing. Uh, I wanted this symbiotic relationship that they formed with actually humans. and what they do is they become a third race because what they do is they empower the race with both the knowledge, abilities, and a little bit of a mm, umph for them. Mm. Uh, the whole thing that I wanted to stay away from is that they are still people. So each one has its own personality. Mm -hmm. so a lot of the thing that I wanted to have maybe on a cultural aspect would be the fact that people distrust them a little bit because there's a whole doppelganger thing going on, but there is the benefit of the race because I'm having it that these symbiotes can live for, like, maybe 200, 300 years, and each time they live through a a host, they carry on those experiences and those memories. Hmm. So in a way, they carry on the cultural heritage of someone,
0: Mm-hmm. But also,
1: every generation or every host, they can be like, mm, this time I'm going to do a scientist. Next time I'm going to do a warrior. And they carry on that into being a more well-rounded person. Mm-hmm. And the benefit for them and the culture that they might be in is they get an expert. But there is the downside of someone being just like, listen, maybe, maybe it's not you speaking, it's the symbiote speaking. Mm. I wanted this whole kind of third race kind of thing of where people are supportive of it but they're also like I don't know man there's something that I don't trust there's something inherently about giving up yourself to the worm or whatever it might be that they don't trust I was thinking insectoid mainly because I wanted some sort of armoring Mm -hmm. and I also didn't want them to be internal because I wanted I was on the fence of whether they would be internal because I wanted people to be like oh that's a parasite they're not hiding they're out in the open but i also maybe could be that that their choice of being seen is actually a choice whereas they could also be on the base of the spine Mm -hmm. and that would be the more nefarious type of them
0: so that's that's actually very interesting for a number of reasons because i had a similar idea wow in 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 multiple ways actually so one of the original races that I was going to bring, were, and I actually decided to scrap it because I thought it would be a little bit too evil or nefarious. Oh. Uh, was there, there are these things called jade wasps or emerald wasps. In nature, there are, these thing, there are these wasps that they use their proboscis to slide into the back chitin of a roach and essentially do some surgery on their brain. And they ride them around and treat them as zombies. And then eventually they lay eggs inside of them. Mm. And the eggs eventually eat their way out of the cockroach. This is horrifying. And I would strongly recommend looking up the YouTube video for it. With that said, I had this idea that you could have this race of diminutive insectoids that have that same kind of parasitic relationship. But instead of using smaller animals or like tiny little cockroaches, you could have them be... I don't know, the say, say the, the main, the the, the, cert, the one with the proboscis mm-hmm. could be one that's the size of a cat or, uh, or a small dog. And they are riding around on these giant bats that are the size of ogres. Nice. Think uh, the Varghul from Warhammer or think Man Bat from the original uh, Batman animated series. That kind of size and ferocity. And I love the idea of you look at these things and you see them attached to these bats and they're like, they have this kind of weird, like twitchy eye that kind of looks over at you and they're speaking through the animal that they have hosted. But I also think that when you talk about the third race, my brain immediately goes to the Yankee of uh, Dungeons and Dragons. They're, those are the snake people. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they they are, have the the an, the anathema, which are these like fully or abominations in some cases, where they are just full snake, yeah. and or they have like snakes for arms, snake face. Some of them, yeah. and then you have the half blood and the pure blood, and the, I think it's the pure blood, or maybe it's the half blood, but they can basically look like humans, and they can they infiltrate human society even though they have snake like features. Yeah, like snake eyes, exactly, or or like I think some of them hoods or fangs or something like that. I've definitely seen
1: like the hooded ones, but they're not Naga, Mm-hmm. because I, I think I remember something in a lot of literature they hate each other because they were both like elder races or something.
0: That that's quite possible. Why do elder races
1: always not get along? There's never like two elder races that survived through the founding of a world where they're like, oh yeah, no, we've always been friends. I know conflict breeds story, but
0: that's actually kind of a good. I, that's kind of a good question. I think that'd be kind of fun to. Th- well, I think if they were, I think here's the reason why. If these are two elder races that have been around forever and all they've been is friends, why haven't they created empires that rule the entire world? Point, maybe, maybe that's maybe gotta that's keep what each we're other doing. Check. Right, right. So I think that's probably why you see something like the abolith hating the Mind Flayers, etc., etc.,
1: I brought up my race. Uh, you said that you scrapped that. I scrapped
0: that idea because I think it, it. I think it would make a far more interesting villain or a far more interesting. Like I, I don't want people to be walking around playing something that essentially manipulates and it's a slaver. Essentially, is how is how my brain had it. So mine is more of
1: they, they become friends. They in order to combine with the host. They become one. The personalities get merged. They Stockholm carry on. Syndrome
0: style? Or? No, okay. no. No,
1: it's complete. You, in order for this to happen, the applicants who want to pass on their knowledge, who also want to... Imagine if you get one of these things that have done nothing but research magic for the last 200 years of their life. Right, right. And you're a mage. You're like, I will know so much so quickly and I will be able to add on to that.
0: And not only that, but I could see people seeing it as an effective way of being immortal. Because your experiences and knowledge will pass on down to another race Mm. or another person. But my question becomes, how do you stop these things from becoming all-powerful?
1: Because I was making them, for lack of a better word, human. Sometimes they get attached to their host. They can die with the host. And Mm. also, it's very hard to breed... When you're not breeding as you, you're breeding as your host. Mm-hmm. And you're very vulnerable when you're not in your host. Okay. So in order to get to the point of where you can breed, lay eggs, or do anything, I haven't really... I haven't focused on how they fuck yet. So... Fair enough.
0: I mean, we were just talking last episode about shit you don't want on your yeah, search history. Yeah, yeah. And like just an entire deep YouTube dive of slug video, slug sex videos. (laughs) Chris, uh, notice that you have four and a half hours of slug videos you've watched. It's research. Uh,
1: but one of the things it's hard for them to breed because they, they don't populate that quickly. They spend most of their lives in a host. Mm-hmm. They can only breed with another of its kind, so in order for them to gain all this experience, they need to leave their kind. And more importantly, imagine you just spent 75 years with your host. Some of them choose to just die with their host. because mm.
0: That's interesting. I also like the idea that they're probably really picky about who they mate with. Mm. Because As time goes on. Right, especially the eldest ones. They're like, you're not... W- You've only had two hosts? No, you're not worth my time. Sorry. I, I really like that idea. And actually, it kind of dovetails into something, a theme. I, I think that we've been having some weird synchronicities lately, for sure. Because one of the ideas that I had for, my, for the race that I want to introduce, which are called the Ashenborn. These are not exactly... Let me just explain to you what they are. Why? Well, you have this look on your face. What's I was going to
1: call one of my races the Ashen.
0: Oh, how about that? So that's just weird. Again, weird synchronicities. Are they insects? No. No, okay, they're not. Okay, In fact, they really don't have a physical body of their own at all. And here's where it gets interesting. These are creatures, these are things that are caught in a cycle between life and death. Much like you, they kind of have a recursion. You know, much like your slug things, they have a a, a thread, so to speak, that goes through host to host. However, here's where it differs. The ashenborn, when a creature breathes its last breath, it has a chance to have an ashenborn creature immediately possess it. So this, this thing is now dead. And what happens is, there is, a, there, is a, there is some kind of effect that immediately takes over the upper half of the body. So basically from shoulders up, you'll have this effect that is either ash or smoke, or shadow, or celestial starlight, or fire, or, or some kind of effect that looks like it is burning the skin off of the host creature. It doesn't necessarily have to be human. It doesn't necessarily even have to be whatever. But, but the idea is that they only are attracted to sapient creatures, right? Creatures As
1: they're dying.
0: Not as they're dying, oh. but after they die. Because they don't have a physical body of their own, so they just take over a host. Okay. And it's not like they gather... Well, well actually, perhaps they do. And so here's, here's where I think it kind of gets interesting for me. They constantly live through their hosts, and then the body dies. It, it, there's no soul left in this body at this point. That's the way that I want to put it. It's, it's purely a vessel for them to inhabit. So what I want to create and what I wanted to kind of what's the word I'm looking for? The emphasis that I want to put on is that they don't always remember their previous lives. Okay. So or in some cases they do, but they're imperfect memories. So the ideas that I have are something akin to you wake up and you're immediately in a dead body and you have no idea what's going on for the first time, you're still trying to, this is you as an Ashenborn, right? You're still trying to figure out what's happening. You're like, oh God, what body is this? And then any kind of, and you might have some uh, echoed memories from your previous lives. I don't know. That's actually what I think is so interesting and so appealing to me for them is because I like races that have hooks built into them, and with this type of race, you could wake up and the last thing you remember is, oh my god, I was looking for a really important relic or treasure, and then my host body died, and then you immediately have uh, uh, like a like a quest to go do. Except, part of that could be, when was that? I it was could've... about to
1: ask, Like, has 200 years passed? Has 100 years passed? Exactly. Was I in the ethereal? Am I now on the other side
0: of the world? Exactly. So so that's kind of the idea that I have in mind is that it's not perfect and it's mostly random. So it's not like you as the Ashenborn get to choose the body. Okay. Your consciousness essentially gets sent back up into a giant ethereal pool. And then for, we're going to leave it mysterious because I think it's more fun that way. For mysterious reasons, you are... Boom, put back into a body once you're done.
1: And given how rare this is, or perhaps how hard it is to come across, it's not like the Ashenborn could have a chance to compare notes. It's just like, so how long were you up? And like, I don't know. I think my memory says it was this year and it's now this year.
0: Right. Right. And I think that's, I think a lot of that's really fun because I, again, you have so many hooks built into the character. When you first awaken, what is your situation? I had this idea of a character who wakes up and by the time I woke up, I was already hung from the gallows. When I got down, they tried to hang me again. So, so something like that or there could be an entire like civilization that hates the idea that their dead get back up and so they really really try not to make sure that happens or dead, damn it. right. Yeah. The dead should stay dead. On top of that. I also have this idea that, you know, there are these two ashen born that have lived life after life, not necessarily together, but I had the idea that in their minds, you know, for a dozen lifetime, we were lovers for a dozen more. We were the bitterest of enemies. I have slain them. They have slain me. We always find ourselves drifting back to one another. But the but the other thing I the reason I'm in love with this idea so much and I was thinking about this and like I was just like gathering steam I'm like, oh wow, there's so much you can do with this let's say that you wake up and the last thing that you remember of a past life is I was a horrible tyrant. do you try and fight it do you try and now I'm a paladin to make sure that that type of evil doesn't exist anymore or are you maybe you're like one of the people who can't go back? Sick
1: can't go back. Right. I'm still evil.
0: Yeah. Or maybe you're the type of person who worships the God of feasts and famine who believes that it's all predetermined. I'm going to be evil again. I was already evil. Mm. And, you know, so you're just, you're committed to the evil act now. And I think it's so rich in terms of story quality because you don't know whether it's predetermined who you were back in the day shapes who you are now, but it's up to the person to determine how it affects their character. I'm also
1: not sure what they were called. I think they exist in 5th edition Pathfinder, but also Deadlands. They're like called not wraiths, but revenants? Revenants, I believe.
0: Yeah, that is that's from the the Weird West Deadlands. Yeah. yeah. Those were, like, ghosts that were basically good and came back. Or good zombies, I think they were, right? I don't
1: think you necessarily had to be good. It was just the will to not pass on Hmm. is what kept you here. Sure. But I I know that's not what you're going for, but I always like the whole, oh, man, this host body or this body that I reincarnated from, he died in his bed and I got all this stuff. Yeah. Might as well be nice to his family.
0: Yeah, right. But, but. Part of Howdy fam. It, yeah. Going back to the Ashenborn, I like this idea. I like the aesthetic because I love the aesthetic of a humanoid who has some kind of like burning energy coming off of them. You can't hide that you're an Ashenborn. You cannot, like you can put clothes on and it'll mask part of it. But
1: everyone's going to look at you and be like, mm,
0: no, that ain't human. Right, and it's it's going to be pretty obvious. But I also like the idea that they're also going to be aware. Certain, some of them will be for sure. That they're going to be aware that this is hey, maybe don't do this. Maybe don't walk around and be like, Granddad. Like, don't <laughs> want that to happen. So they'll they'll wear a mask or they'll do something to otherwise cover like a a, a telltale feature of the person. Oh, no, unless they're
1: really evil or just like that's right, I am Granddad, and now your Granddad's beating you up. <laughs>
0: So that that would actually be really fun. Just like evil, evil burning granddad come back from the dead.
1: (laughs) All I can remember about this body is it hated you.
0: (laughs) Stop saying cruel things, grandpa. They're not real. He never loved you. (laughs) And that's how you create the amazing origin story of that small child. That's not the Ashenborn origin. That's Timmy's origin.
1: I fought an Ashenborn when I was seven. It was my grandpa, and he kept on saying how much he hates me. <laughs> I now hunt my
0: grandfather. <laughs> so, so yeah, I. That's that's my idea of the Ashenborn. I I really appreciate it. I love the fact that it's an imperfect memory. I love the fact that it has hooks just everywhere. Like, you can do a lot of really fun, interesting story beats with the Ashenborn for sure. Christopher, what is your second race that you're introducing today?
1: So, second race, working title, uh, was going to be a race of kind of liquid stone mm-hmm. in my eyes. Mm-hmm. So, I So, re-
0: Clay or no, no, Clayface? No, no,
1: no, no. Clayface? No. Clayface? No. Clay okay, I see where you're going.
0: Glacius.
1: But, who the hell is Glacius?
0: Killer Instinct? Oh my god,
1: no. No? No, fighting game. Been over this. Yeah. But... Love me some fight games. So, my idea was kind of like a gibbering mouther, only made out of earth. And the idea that I had for them is the birth of their creation was out of of a god. A god essentially tried to create a race, and in doing so, created this stillborn. And it was Mm. this chaotic oozing stuff that has an intelligence but they're not human I wanted them to be subterranean Mm -hmm. they feed off of kind of the insects other things down there and they've tried to make what their god wanted so he wanted a civilization so they're down there kind of toiling away trying to create their civilization but it's alien. It's alien in the sense of, like, I'm basing them a lot on uh, the old ones. Kind of uh, the lizard-like race kind of thing. I originally wanted them to be statue people, but that was a little bit too too much.
0: Yeah, the, actually, for the Ashenborn, my idea was that they were just going to be statues that would be inhabited, but I like the idea of people more because after a while, you just go around bashing the statues and there's no more Ashenborn. Mm, so, mm. yeah. Yeah, I
1: wanted kind of like... A, an ooze, or uh, something that could form into a body of a person, but it's imperfect.
0: Mm-hmm. So, okay. So I have I have a ton of questions around that. Go. How intelligent are they? So they're actually somewhat intelligent.
1: The main problem that they have is conveying these ideas. They don't have the means to like put their hand around a tool, because it takes conscious effort to try and wrap their hand around, say, like a chisel or something. Okay. Where they can bash something, but it kind of has made everything about them seem bestial and alien. And they have a hard time communicating with any other race because they don't even have a mouth.
0: Hmm. So how do they communicate with one another?
1: How do they communicate with one another?
0: Do they just touch one another? Do they communicate through stone? How, how does that work exactly?
1: I was thinking psychically, but okay. I feel like that might also be a little bit of a cop-out.
0: Sure, like a hive mind type, type yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. So my, my other question becomes, why would I want to hear about a story surrounding this particular type of creature? Or are you seeing them more as an adversary to be overcome, rather than someone who you'd rather hear a story about? So I wanted to
1: see p- part of them to be like the work of ages. It takes them a long time to do something but they do get it done. And so it was my way of explaining how they created things underground. It's it's a built-in thing for like weird mazes underground, weird puzzles underground because they've spent the time building it and they want to be left alone.
0: Interesting. So these are this is basically a living walking civilization that explains the weird underdark goings on. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's kind of interesting. I'm getting like a Morlock vibe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Or, or, or something like that. Something Or something that's old and cruel and maybe being drawn to something underneath Old God style from Lovecraftian type stuff.
1: Major base off of that, I also uh, wanted to have something like uh, 40k Necrons. I wanted them to be old. I wanted them to already have passed what they see as their golden age. Because let's say maybe they weren't always formless. Maybe that's something of a degradation of time.
0: Oh, okay. Like
1: as time has gone on, they've just slowly began to like droop into nothing, and they're just angry at all of these younger races that have somehow. Uh, they, their lives may be long, but they hate them at the fact that it just like hate your youth.
0: That I, I actually really find that to be quite fascinating. That. They're essentially fueled by generations and aeons of spite. And I also really appreciate the idea that these things are essentially just, what's the word I'm looking? They, they've had they've they've gone like Alzheimer's so hard that they've they've essentially or not Alzheimer's, but um, senile. They've gone senile for so long and for so hard that they essentially just lose all sense of themselves to the point where they can't even pick up. you know, maybe once they wielded, the energies of the cosmos and now it's i can barely i can't even pick up a hammer yeah i actually so in that in that respect i find that to be really fascinating and really interesting i did want the the element
1: of cosmic horror of it's just like Mm -hmm. can they even be killed was my thing because i just pictured someone like launching into them with spells and other things and you have the whole uh T1000 deal going on, mm-hmm. of where it's just like, oh, sweet, we vaporized them, but what is all this liquid doing seeping into the floor now?
0: I can also see them kind of forming together to be like just a tsunami of them. Mm. I think that's okay, yeah. So this is less of a, i want to play this type of character and more of a, oh, dear God, there's too many of them, we need to get out. Yes. That type yes. of thing. I, but okay.
1: the fact that they had a civilization and everything, I feel like. Uh, Pre pregenitor race kind of thing something uh, something to explain. All right, hey, we went underground and we find these ruins. Yeah, I, I really w- i i love that in fantasy. I loved agreed old ruins and I love underground things. This was me just forking it in there yeah. with that race ancient
0: weird shit that there's no explanation for it. That there's massive ziggurats that whoa what are what are these uh, perfect yeah okay
1: oh also uh, came up with the idea while well, listening to slash watching a video of, uh, what's his name, The Spiral? I- Iro- oh.
0: Jiro. Uh, Junji Ito. Yeah. Yeah. And Uzumaki is the name. Yeah, of, I saw The uh, Spiral City, and it made no
1: sense, and that was something and that, yeah. and I was just like, hmm, I like that. I want that in my fantasy.
0: Yes. I, I I love, I also love horror in fantasy, as you know. I ran a game that is notorious in my gaming group called Stalwick. People got depressed. Yeah, like I used to like be really proud of that fact until I was like, oh no, my game made people... Like I was proud that it made people feel things until I realized that I was psychically damaging my players and we had to stop playing. The game ended after a botched amputation left one of the characters just completely utterly broken and the other one without a leg. And that's how we ended the campaign. And it was a great experience. Really fantastic experience. Like I loved the tension and the horror and having to make hard decisions. But yeah, that was, oh boy, I am so sorry to the people I hurt running that game. <laughs> like truly and utterly sorry. I hope that you found the help that you need. Uh, seriously. Uh, okay, so that's yours. I, you got your two. And like I said, I had a I had a second one lined up that I threw away because I didn't I, I just didn't like it enough. So instead, I copped out, and I'm going with a race that I don't think gets enough love, and that is the race called the Spriggans. For those of you who are those unaware, tiny fairies. Spriggans are about three to four feet tall in their normal form. They kind of look like goblins. They have grayish skin or grayish-bluish skin a lot of the times. And then what they do, what makes them interesting, is they can transform into an eight-foot-tall, muscle-bound, just like, that's a beast boy right there.
1: Oh, yeah. I remember this now. Are they part plant or something? They are
0: not part plant. Okay. But they're fey. Which means that they're part of the magical natural world. Okay. And I started thinking about the Spriggans because I tossed out my old, my old idea and I remember thinking about a Dungeon World game that I ran. And one the probably my favorite NPC in that game was a, a Spriggan that you met called Glinton Dross. And he was a he was a blacksmith who had been enslaved for hundreds of years, and when you met him you freed him and he managed to shift back and forth for the first time in hundreds of years and just, I loved the character. I loved everything about how fun he was to play and, and voice because here's the thing. When you have little version and small version or I'm sorry, little version and giant form, you have two voices you can do. <laughs> so for, um, from a role-playing perspective alone, it's super fun and you can give them entirely different voices as well. So, the, I think from that perspective alone is really, really fun. And I started to think about it. And what came to me about the Spriggans is they're fae, so you can change how they act depending on what terrain you find them in. Mm. You can have mountain Spriggans who are kind of, uh, you know, like rust or red colored in their big form and they have a specific affinity for stone working. Or in my case, like I introduced, blacksmithing he just became really really good at becoming craft he was a craftsman and giving them different temperaments based on the surroundings is also really interesting i think you can do a blue skinned ocean or water-based spriggan who have big form gives them water breathing and all sorts of different abilities and again you're tying it into the fact that they're fey that they are of the natural world. So you change depending on where you're coming from. And not only that, that's one interesting aspect. The other interesting aspect that I had was the changing part. So you essentially have two different races in one with the Spriggin, And I started thinking about, well, there's definitely extremists who prefer one form to the other. They consider switching over to the other form to be blasphemous or ugly and then there's like definitely a large portion in the middle who believe that there's harmony between the two. And then there's everything in between where I prefer this form for this reason or I prefer this form for this reason. But what I really appreciate is that when they're big and giant, you can have them be brutes. You can have them be warlike. You can have them be, like I was saying before, well, why not just make them Maori? You can now have Maori spriggans and you know they have all the cool cultural accoutrements of something like orcs and maori mixed together and that's the other thing that i love like don't get me wrong as much as i was bashing elves and dwarves and such before i definitely have a soft spot for warcraft orcs and trolls and stuff like that i love the kind of savage and kind of tough warlike race that are honorable that's that's scratching my itch when it comes to the spriggan's because I can have it both ways. I can have a race that is simultaneously savage when you know they're bigger or they're, you know, craftsmen and engineers when they're smaller and everything in between because of the transformation. Plus I love the idea of coming across this tribe of spriggan and someone not knowing what spriggan are. And just getting the shit kicked out of them when they transform. Like, oh, you done messed up now, boy. Like, just immediately get the shit kicked out of them. So one of the things
1: that you were saying is that they are somewhat uh, influenced by their terrain?
0: Yeah. I, I was thinking something along the lines of... They're just, just Because, because again, they're fae, so they take on the form of the surroundings that they grow up in. So they are tribes that live in the desert, and they have different... Qualities compared to those who live in the mountains, compared to those who live in the forest. They change colors. They change different abilities. Perhaps there's a number of different things that could change about them based purely on the their environment.
1: So, one of the things that I have a question for about uh, as far as how they live and everything. Do they like make homes, or do they live in their environment? Are they like so with the environment that they like? Oh, time to go to sleep. I'm gonna just meld into this tree or
0: I didn't I wasn't picturing that I was thinking genuine villages and uh you know like caste systems perhaps in some cases cities and then that way you could actually have generational shifts from well these are these are these were once forest spriggins and now they have changed and transformed into city spriggins or urban spriggins because one of the things that I also appreciate sorry, i I'm just picturing just very inappropriate spriggins. What what ca- well like a cabby spriggin? Like what are you what are you thinking of?
1: I'm just I'm just picturing a bunch of spriggins like sitting on a porch <laughs> and they're just just mean mugging guy walking by and just
0: like what you doing around here? You know this is spriggin territory, don't you? You look like a wheat spriggin. Oh man. See, yeah. I I think that'd be really fun. I think that, as I was saying, I, I believe that when it comes to, like, urban fae are also underrepresented. So I think that having that aspect of it would be really interesting. But also, maybe their civilizations, yes, there are cities or something akin to cities, but maybe it's a far more natural form of a city or what would otherwise be an urban center something that incorporates the uh, the terrain and the territory far better than something like human civilization would. We pave over natural land. It is ours now. This is what it is. And that might happen with Spriggans, but I also like the idea that there are perhaps Tundra Spriggan who make their
1: igloo like house, yeah,
0: igloo like house, or in the in the trees, there are tree houses built of the trees, not from the wood that you chop down the forest with.
1: The fact that you said that they ocean Spriggan, are when you were saying that in your mind, did you picture like coastal or in the water? Yeah, why not both? Because I was just curious about do they need oxygen to breathe, or is it the fact that they can water breathe when they enough generations go by?
0: Sure, I, I think that I think that what I had in mind realistically was some kind of water breathing spriggan and also you now have a built-in pirate type style where i mean the, the the reason i like the transformation so much is you have like well why wouldn't you just stay in the big form all the time because it's unnatural and also because sometimes you need to get small in order to fit into certain places or sometimes it's just easier to be smaller and I was also trying to figure out, well, what, what other benefit would they have while smaller? You
1: can have a small ship and invade a big ship with your big form.
0: R- right, but but other ideas that I had. But but that's the idea that I had for the Spriggans, was the idea that... All of that, basically. And, and again, I like characters with hooks in them. And I think that this... So this is what I liked about it, okay? Uh, this This allows me to have a somewhat brutish type race. If, if you know, you want to talk about that aspect of them. It also allows me another thing that I have a really just beautiful affinity for that is, I know it's kind of hacky, but I, uh, is, is elemental races. When I was initially sitting down to do this whole create a race thing, two of the things that I really didn't want to do was I didn't want to do blank animal man. You know, I didn't want to have oxman or crocodile man or fox person. I really tried to stay away from those tropes because I feel like it's been done. Either Redwall did it. Warcraft has like a million different animal races at the this Wolfen? point. Worgen, Worgen. yeah. They they so or or Magic the Gathering certainly does. They have Loxodon, which are just elephant men. It's been done before. Oh, but I love that so. Conan.
1: Conan had a good Elephant Man.
0: That's different, though. That's a very different type. Of, I'm aware. That's a significantly it, more racist version <laughs> of the Loxodon. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah. Oh well, yeah. It's Conan. It's racist.
0: Everything in Conan is racist.
1: Yes. Or
0: sexist. Don't oh, sell it. Short. Again, why not both? So the so those were my my rule was no animal person and no elemental person, and I think with the Spriggan, I kind of get. The, I get a really nice sweet spot where I can do elemental type people without having them be, I'm a fireman, I'm a, I'm a stone man. It's like, no, I'm of this area, so I take on certain attributes of it, but it does not define me as an element, as someone who is immutable to change.
1: Do they also take on animalistic aspects of their surrounding, like anything, because some sort of blend of the
0: two? Actually, that could definitely work because in the transformed stage, why not? You know like when when they go from small you know kind of goblinish looking creature, when they transform into their big version, why not just have it be like a shark? Or or at least have like shark-like qualities. I think that there's enough creativity there where when they transform into whatever giant thing they are, sure they could just be a bigger version of what they look like or sure they could just look like ogres or some kind of what have you. It could
1: look like a mountain slide coming at you.
0: Uh, I didn't have that in mind, but I mean, but I, but I like the idea that they, that we have options and not only do we have options, but I think that it would, it would scratch so many itches for a lot of people because I think it's not just me who has the idea that I want to play an earth person or a fire person. Oh yeah. You know, although I think fire is probably the only one that wouldn't work because it's like, I live in a volcano. Oh, I'm fucking dead. Because it's fucking hot and nothing supports life in a volcano. What about,
1: you know, underwater volcanoes and those little worm-looking things?
0: No. No, I'm not going to... No, tube worms. No. Come on, you want to live life as a tube worm. Are all they going to do is eat tube worms? No. Anyway, again, I'm giving love to a race that I think is underrepresented for sure, In the Spriggan. I want them in here. And not only that, I kind of want... So, like the Ashenborn, I want them to be someone that you can go and meet a city of. Or you can go meet a giant community of. I think that'd be really fun. And, uh, yeah. I think that's two for us. Yeah. Uh, Do we have any other ideas that we want to throw out there at the moment?
1: I was debating an insect race, but... I was also yeah. as, as
0: as I said, I was also debating an insect. But I race. think I
1: got that with the quill. Mm-hmm. There's a good insect vibe coming from them. Sure. And also, then I got the other half of a working title race mm-hmm. of where it's the hive-like mind at times. Sure, sure. But another race that I would like to see. You got your earth elemental. I see. I see that that does scratch that edge, and right. the animalistic one.
0: Of right. That if. So, so let's do this then. Let's go ahead and toss out uh, races that we, we've we been doing it throughout the episode. But let's go ahead and throw out some races that, for whatever reason, you really, really like in, in fantasy that you've seen before. Oh. So I will give major props. I was never really a goblin person until Pathfinder. And they have their giant watermelon head goblins that love fire and are dumb as shit. I love them as... they fear words. They fear words and dogs. James Jacobs and the team over at Paizo, my God, you guys killed it with the goblins. You know you killed it with the goblins, which is why there's so many goblin products. But that is easily one of... There is a reason that those goblins are iconic. And from now on, when I think goblin, my brain immediately places a giant watermelon head onto a goblin. That's just where my brain goes. Despite growing up on Warcraft, despite growing up on Warhammer and stuff like that, my brain immediately goes, Goblin, Paizo goblins now.
1: Yeah.
0: What about you? You it, can now say dwarves. I will Oh God, I fucking it. love dwarves. I dwarves know. are
1: so great with their runes and their underground majesty buildings. Uh-huh. Oh, it's so good. And I really like the dwarves of uh, Dragon Age. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the whole aspect that they're disconnected both from magic and a little bit of divine. Mm-hmm. And so there was this kind of animosity of where just like, oh, there's no place for the Dwarf race. Because they exist outside of whatever magic is seen as, of, of being like uh, this ethereal thing. And also divinity. Nothing wants to touch it. I don't think they belong here. The other thing that I just kind of like about dwarves. I, I'm, I've always been a thing about underground sub- subterranean races. Mm-hmm. Love them. I They they equal parts creep me out and I just love in games. Like, even in Fallout games where I'm like, oh, I'm going to explore an underground bunker. Underground. Just fucking love it. Fair enough. Uh, but one of the other races that I couldn't quite find a spot here, and I doubt that you've played it, the Dark Ones in Metro.
0: Now, can you elaborate? Yeah, yeah, yeah I'll
1: elaborate. So, in m- Metro, the Dark Ones were kind of seen as... The human race that had survived the bombs being dropped. They exist on the surface in hive-like communities because they've mutated so much. Mutation was a big thing.
0: How are they different than ghouls from Fallout, say? So, they
1: don't have ears. They can only uh, work with uh, through psychic kind of communication. And the thing that was wrong about this is that they actually wanted to make peace a little bit with the human population. But when they would walk at them, their ability to commute with other races would cause them to go insane because of a Ooh. psychic backlash. So imagine someone trying to reach out just like, we want to be friends, and you're just like, oh God, shoot, shoot at them, shoot at my friends, that's, shoot at everything.
0: That's a really fascinating idea. That's a great idea.
1: Yeah, but I couldn't couldn't quite find a way to do that. I debated making that into the working title race of where just like, maybe they're not evil, and then I was just like, no, nah, fuck it. I want an evil race.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's cool.
1: Especially Spike. Needed a spite race. Yeah, yeah, that's fine.
0: Uh, any other, any others that you want to toss out there that you might like?
1: I did like the ghouls, but I don't think they, they, they fall in between being a race and not being an actual race. Sure, I mean, they're human basically plus. humans. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, most fantasy races are human plus. That's a good point.
1: I do like what? that Star Trek did explain that a little bit. What do you mean? Oh, uh, the reason most of them look alike is because life was seeded in the galaxy by one pregenitor race ah, ah,
0: yeah okay for me it definitely comes down to i love the orcs from warcraft i i have been zog zog, zog, zog absolutely i grew up on warcraft i grew up playing the original warcraft i played way more warcraft 2 i had every edition and it, back in the sit down young children and let me tell you a tale of when games used to come with manuals that would are that are novel thick and they had lore for days. And that is how I fell in love with orcs from Warcraft. I played through the story and the trolls are cool. Like they they just, I remember Zul'jin, especially back in the second game. I know he's a troll, but still follow. Like he had, he just looked cool. He had like dual hatchets. He had a, a, a cool little, uh, like a bandito mask covering him. And he had tusks poking out. Super fucking cool. Everything about the orcs from Warcraft 2 and even Warcraft 3, I truly well believe that World of Warcraft killed any kind of fun that I had with the orcs at any point. Really? Yeah, because at that point it became too big and it started to spiral out of control. Mm. But I think that they did a great job early on. I think it's super fun. And man, I still get chills thinking about Thrall and uh, Grom Hellscream Killing their demon lord, the one that they essentially sold their their mm-hmm. their race to, their race to, still gives me chills thinking about it. Still thinking about Grom like dying in battle, like just absolutely love it. So yeah, goblins and orcs for sure. I also love uh, th- this is not just anything in particular. Like I just love minotaurs. I think they just fucking look cool, and I always love fucking with them in a certain type of way, either as like a champion. Or in another game that I ran previously, one of my favorites, the skin shaper minotaurs Mm. who were obsessed with alchemy and just being able to manipulate flesh as though it were putty or something like that. I love the, because you're already a giant beast man. What makes you scarier than a giant beast man? A giant beast man scientist, because I can kick your ass anyway. And by the way, now I'm fucking super intelligent horrifying. And yeah, I, I also just think that aesthetically, I think they're cool looking.
1: That is also something that seems to come up quite often in fantasy and sci-fi. It's just like, oh, you're strong, so you can't be smart.
0: Yeah, I, I you're think You're smart,
1: which means you gotta be small.
0: Yeah, and, and then there's always... There's often the trope of there's the one smart guy in the brutish savage lands, and he's the leader. I've always found that to be really kind of I I, I seem more
1: often the opposite of where he's like ostracized of it being
0: just like shut up, smarty. Yeah, that that's also a thing. But but again, it's just like come on, stop being so fucking stupid with your cultures, guys. Uh,
1: Now that I bring up uh, another one, it's kind of a generic one that goes across all races, and it covers everything from Necron to the Geth in Mass Effect. I really like robot races.
0: Yeah, I mean, I already brought up Warforged. Yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah, throw throw Warforged on the list. I think they're yeah. super fucking cool as well. Keith uh, Baker, fucking kudos, guy. You're you're awesome. Yeah,
1: when I can play something that's robotic, I like doing it.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I mean, it, for me, it goes back to comic books and specifically Ultron. I remember getting uh, some some run of the Avengers where Ultron basically wipes out an entire country and leaves the smoldering corpses in the shape of his Ultron face and just being like, oh, Ultron's super cool. And all, I got like the Ultron toy with it after that. And it it's like, I don't know, maybe I'm slightly genocidal or misanthropic. Who knows?
1: Ultron did nothing wrong.
0: You know, he definitely did. He's a giant evil robot. But uh, also this is why Avengers 2 pissed me off because really... Ultron was so is done so dirty in that fucking movie. It's really upsetting. Like, James Spader, you're a great actor. You shouldn't have been Ultron. You shouldn't have been trying to chew scenery. You should have been a, like just a, a solid steel mask, no movement except for maybe light between the eyes and stuff like that. That's what I wanted. I didn't want to see him try and smile and grin. He would have been way more terrifying had he been faceless and just a mask. I think that would have been so much more menacing than him. Did Disney have them by that point? Maybe, but it wouldn't explain anything because all of the Avengers movies after that were fantastic. And, you know, Ultron is just an anomaly of the worst Avengers movie by far. All right. This is the other thing that I had in mind with this talk of races and fantasy races specifically. Is it racism? No, kind of, actually. So with this idea of fantasy races, normally it's geographic, right? Like that's how races kind of congregate. However, in a world where every city is a different God, are there gods of certain races? Is there a God of humans? Is there a God of the Spriggan? Is there a God of the Ashenborn? Or, and, and more so, how do gods work otherwise? So the idea would be or rather, how do communities form? Do you have communities where, yeah, as long as you worship the one God, you're fine. I think that's really something that we should explore later on. Hmm. I think that we've gone pretty well into our time. I think that we yeah. should definitely shelve this and move on for now. But what do we want to talk about next time?
1: I would say maybe some city building. Some mm-hmm. characteristics of, like, how are they formed? Where are they are like right now in my mind, and it doesn't make any sense. I'm just picturing a grid map of cities, and they're evenly spaced apart, and that's not that's not cool.
0: Sure. What kind of homework do we want to give each other? Do we want to come in with a city each, or do we want to come in knowing that we'll create a city? What would you prefer?
1: How about uh, two districts in the city?
0: Mm. No. Okay. Uh, sure because then we can kind of force it in there so S-
1: little sprig town
0: <laughs> so we should also figure out what kind of god is the city going to be surround or, or is, is going to be hmm. uh venerating because we can't start with the districts unless we know what the gods are go- or the god That's is true. going to be so i suppose we should ask now is it going to be a monogod? or is this is going to be a god of the divine coalescence
1: i would say monogod. just Just to show that they're out there. Give them some love.
0: Okay. And what kind of god do we want to go with here? I've actually been having this idea of, like, the god of lore or the god of secrets or something like that. I I like that idea. I kind of, because we already have a lot of evil shit going on and some really good stuff as well. I think that we should probably maybe create something on the neutral to good side of things. Yeah, I'll do that. Sure. So what would you like to do?
1: I would say possibly God of, uh, correct me if this might be not a, uh, a mono God, but God of civilization, God of knowledge, God of mm-hmm, mm-hmm. technology.
0: I wanted to keep technology for another episode because mm-hmm. I think to, that is
1: a very important thing to, right. Yeah, are we in the dark ages, middle ages,
0: Renaissance. <laughs> I prefer Renaissance a lot of the time just because uh, I love gunpowder. And I want gunpowder and medieval shit. It's just how it happens. So,
1: and then that's very important to be like: Are we at the hand cannon stage, or is there rifling involved? Well, rifling wasn't until much later, but oh yeah, it's very different. Yeah.
0: So musket
1: ball versus a uh, blunderbuss,
0: and cartridges too. Yeah, sure. Okay, so let's let's before we head off, let's go ahead and create a let's let's figure out the god, and go from there. So you have. Some kind of civilization technology. I want to do lore, or knowledge. Let's go ahead and split pursuit the difference. of knowledge. Pursuit of knowledge. Yeah. What do you mean? Or keepers of knowledge. Let's split the difference. I say yeah, yeah, yeah. we can either do gods of engineering, or gods of history. Which Which of those two do you want to go with? I heard an ooh at engineering.
1: Engineering. I'm, I'm voting mainly because since we don't know where we are in technology and everything to say that we're the God of history, would be like, what are you, what are you talking about history? Things have only been, we, we discovered fire 50 years ago. What the <laughs> fuck are you recording?
0: And not only that, but engineering, we can kind of choose whatever tech level we want with that city because it allows us to be, well, Oh, well they're super advanced for oh, the yeah. age. Or we could even say, Oh, technology comes from that city. Mm. Okay. So sure. So next episode, we will sit down and create a city based around the god of engineering. And, yeah. Do you have anything else that you want to say before we end the episode? Please like and subscribe. We don't, we're don't. we not a YouTube channel yet. I don't know what
1: to say for a podcast. Please do the things that are okay. like liking and subscribing and ringing a bell.
0: <laughs> Dear God, we will never be them. This has been World Build With Us, Episode 3. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, or if you just want to write in to the show, you can email us at worldbuildwithus at gmail.com. I am Rob Hilferty. This is Chris Prunty. We will see you next time. Goodbye.